five on a big band Tuesday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning, hour two, presented by North Star Metal Recycling. North Star! Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. The North Star read kind of had made it sound like you were falling off a cliff there. North like, Star. North Star. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hit it. I didn't do the World Star style. <laughs> yeah. That's what I have to do. That's what it's That's what it's. That's what North Star like. from a moving car. That's what North Star. Like. <laughs> we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. All right. We've been talking about this for the better part of the morning on and off. We mentioned that the Jays won a thriller against the Yankees in the series opener yesterday. An extra innings affair. And it was actually kind of interesting because the biggest takeaway from extra innings probably wasn't the game-winning hit. Right? It was the intentional walk Oh, for sure. Judge. For sure, yeah. And that's for a multitude of reasons, the least of which is that a lot of fans that were there were there to watch Aaron Judge go to the plate, and Aaron Judge try to do what everyone loves, hit some dingers. He is on 60 home runs. For those that are unaware, and apparently some people in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket aren't really up to speed with the significance of this record. Someone texted in, how come this is so significant given that Bonds and Sosa and McGuire eclipsed the 60 plateau and actually in some cases got to 70? I mean, there's, a, there's three major reasons why. One, this is unofficially, officially known as the clean record. That Aaron Judge is doing this in the non-steroid era. Two, I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to come down on someone for not knowing the history of every single franchise. But 61 is an incredibly iconic number, not just in Yankees lore, yeah. but in baseball lore. There's a movie called 61. Mm-hmm. They made a movie about Roger Maris's pursuit. Of Babe Ruth's record. So Ruth hit 60. Maris hit 61. Given that so many home run records have fallen in recent times, to have two, and they're iconic baseball players. I mean, Babe Ruth might be the most iconic baseball player of all time. Yeah. For those records to fall. Him and Kevin Moss. Those two. That's it. <laughs> For the, whatever happened to Kevin Moss? Remember when he came in as a rookie and just mashed? Everyone's like, he's going to be the new Babe Ruth. Okay, this is why we get distracted. What was the third reason? Um, now I probably forgot. Oh, it's the gap in which Judge has established himself as the premier power hitter in baseball. It's not even close. There's Aaron Judge and there's nobody else. Kyle Schwarber. Can I throw in a fourth reason? You can throw in a fifth if you got it. Aaron Judge is a pending unrestricted free agent? That's a pretty big deal. Future Boston Red Sox, (laughs) Aaron Judge, (laughs) is mashing the ball. But uh, now there's a new added element to this, and that's what do you do if you catch the ball? Because there's going to be two balls, <laughs> two balls that are going to be worth a hell of a lot of money. The one that ties Roger Maris's record for 61, which is still to come. Jinx. You know, you, yeah, Can I you guess. Imagine if he doesn't. I guess he could go into the worst slump of the season. Intentional right now. walk every time. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, now we're getting distracted again. But his intentional walk total compared to some of the guys that have these gargantuan home run totals, Sosa, Bonds, McGuire, judges is way low. Yeah. Um, that one yesterday was actually a bit of a rarity. Anyway, I digress. He's going to hit 61 and 62, I would imagine. Um, those those balls are going to be worth a lot of money. 
in part because that cottage industry that exists with collectibles and is somehow now stretched into NFTs, which I still think you can steal if you right-click and copy it to your desktop. That's how it works. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Darren Ravel, who I, don't, I guess it's a he's for those that don't know him, he is a sports business journalist. Yeah. Everything in Darren's life has a, a dollar value to it. Yeah, like it's an inherent value guy. It's weird, but he this is what he does. This, this is, is what he does, yeah. He wrote a piece for Action Network about what you should do if you catch that ball. Like a step-by-step guide about who you should talk to, what you should be anticipating, what you should be expecting. If you're a Yankees fan, Maybe there's a different bounty of return as opposed to if you were just a casual observer that caught the ball or went out for the ex- express purpose of catching it, right? The estimated value... Why would that matter? Yankee fan might want a plethora of memorabilia. Oh, I see. Okay. As opposed to right. a neutral that just wants the dollars. That, yep. And then you'd go to an auction house. Okay. Estimated value, as far as Ravel goes, half a million bucks. Right. Not an insignificant amount of money for anybody... Except maybe I don't know Bill Gates. What about the what about the sixty two ball? Is that more? Is that going to be right more? now? He's kind of saying both. There's sixty three. Well, no, I mean right now it's the one that's going to set the record and the one that's going to break the record. Okay. in real time yeah. because what you got to do, don't forget, is strike when the iron is hot. Mm-hmm. You got to sell sixty one before sixty two goes yard, right? So I don't know what to be honest. I don't know what I would do. I know that I would be, and this is because I have no soul, I would be instantly enamored by the dollar figure. Oh, yeah. That's just me. Sell it. So 50 bucks at least. So young Jason, I bet, would give a different answer than old Jason. Like young Jason in his 20s that still thinks he's going to make a lot of money because he's going to be so successful and he has a lot of potential would have probably gone, well, you know, for the betterment of the game, I would make sure that it would get back to Aaron Judge. It's it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the In his 40s, Jason, who lives in Vancouver, one of the most expensive cities in the world, would be like, I am now taking bids on this baseball. This yeah. is my retirement. Seriously. like this yeah. is. I'm bringing a giant inflatable glove, and I'm going to cast this ball. <laughs> this is my condo in Palm Desert <laughs> where yeah. I will retire to. I don't care that you want this ball. What you make the... a lot of money. Your next contract is going to be pretty big. You buy it for me if you want it. What is the ball catching etiquette in this scenario are people allowed to just go crazy or do you still have to be kind of restrained they'll go crazy i remember all people fight over it or like so yeah andy god you're adorable we're gonna have have a brawl in the stands oh after you sir (laughs) please please right after you um so i don't know if have you ever seen the t-shirt cannon of course people fight over the t-shirt well i know but that fires into the crowd that's why i'm asking in this scenario is somebody gonna you know be hospitalized yes i think that they have extra security Security. Okay. The security uh, will be fighting for it too. Right. Yeah. They'll be like, God, do you see what I make as a security guard? <laughs> they gave me, hey, they these gave, are batons. Yeah, they gave me this baton for a reason, you know? Um, there are a lot more tasering at the Blue Jays games <laughs> that we've seen in recent years. So it is funny because there's been such a gap in after he tied the record and he hasn't hit one since. The excitement level and anticipation has really built up that what you're talking about, Andy, has actually become a sub-talking point. Mm-hmm. The, the chase now is going to be probably pretty violent and will grow the more people – I mean, it's, it's a mob mentality. People, and there's a morbid curiosity about, well, maybe I could be the guy. 
maybe and if I don't know if you remember when um Mark McGuire broke the record that was you can go back and watch there's a couple different documentaries about it but there was I remember watching it as a kid even then it was a there huge was deal. An, there was an entire small subsection of fans that were just strategizing and purchasing tickets and planning around ball trajectory and where he hit most of his home runs. If you remember, there was the, like a science to it. The iconic yeah. one, I think a ball boy got it in because it, it just scraped the wall and it, it landed a, it in the bullpen. It was a rope down left field. Yeah, yeah, so no one got it, right? And that was kind of a disappointment for all those fans. Later, it ended up well, being... I just hope Zach Hample doesn't get the judge one, if you guys know about him. Do tell. He's a guy, he's in his 40s, and he just travels around to different ballparks. He's like Marlins man. Right. He just appear at these ballparks. And I think he's caught something over 10,000 balls in his life. And he just goes around. That's his life. He just goes around and... Fouls and home runs and everything? Mostly home runs. And yeah, uh, yeah he just brags about it on Twitter. Does and he, he has like a he YouTube channel. Does he take them channel. from kids? Uh, he's been rumored to jump in front of some kids. And take <laughs> Speaking of... <laughs> Everyone needs a hobby. The, the most altruistic and thereby most nauseating answer I could give is that Halford would catch the home run ball and then give it to a kid. Would you? And then they yes. can give it to their parent. Knowing, I, yes. knowing you could make that amount of money? Let's say, here you go, child. And then looking at the wonderment in his eyes as he took the ball and then gave it to his financial advisor. <laughs> <and> was like, <laughs> go, go put a down payment I, on a condo a with mistake. this. Yeah, yeah, and the kid was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to retire in Palm Springs <laughs> yeah. now. Look, this idiot just gave me a $500,000 ball. <laughs> they kicked me in the back. <laughs> Get out of here, old man. I got a home run ball now. Uh, Andy, were you a, a comic book guy when you were younger? I feel like you might have been. Yeah. I mean, I I still love the movies, but I don't collect them anymore. But Does yeah, Archie when, count? When I was a kid, big time. Well, do you know who bought Mark McGuire's seventieth home run ball? Spawn. Oh yeah, the, yeah, creator, Todd McFarlane. Yeah, Todd I, re- McFarlane. I remember that. Yeah, I think he actually three million dollars for yeah. the seventieth home run ball. I think I feel like that's depreciated in value somehow since he bought it. Yeah, I think he did some comic book stuff. That's real uh, technical term. Yeah, comic with Sosa and McGuire. I think there was a, the whole tie-in because they were like the superheroes of baseball. Right? Well, he has a toy line as well, and he, I think he made toys of them, like a, like not action yeah. figures, but like you know, some models. superheroes uh, get their powers when they're like uh, uh, when they get like a spider bite or um, they live with bats or whatever, and other superheroes get their powers from doing steroids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called the Juiced Up Man. You're an honest superhero, okay? We're, we're juicing, okay? That's, that's how we got here. Someone text. I, we made a promise yesterday. We went out for a show meeting yesterday. We went for breakfast. It was lovely. And we all kind of made the vow to not get distracted by the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. However, we also said sometimes it's fun when you bring up some of the comments that will throw you askew. I, this is great. So someone texted this in. And they said, it's from Gary because it's unsigned. You guys are so ignorant to NFTs. You have no idea what's coming with them. (laughs) There is a massive anti-NFT campaign going on because it scares the bleep out of the status quo. Educate yourself because JPEGs are only one application of them. I'm convinced. Haven't I, NFTs lost like a bajillion dollars that's in the, the last uh, like, that's, six months? That's the that's new the, Prime Minister of Italy texting in. Yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> I feel like the NFT train is probably past at this point. I feel like how the, I the, explained the, NFTs earlier the, was the, a pretty clear example that I get The NFTs. three smart people took advantage of the million idiots with the NFTs. They got all their money, and now it's passed. If you can spend $40,000 on a pixelated CryptoPunk picture. Oh, I know. I, I don't know. know why you wouldn't. I know. Right, and I mean, I, show, I, I would show it off in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. I, exactly, right. And what were the other ones that were really popular? The the apes, bored apes, yeah, yeah. The, sm- the smoking apes, AI yeah. generated 
art. Right. A bunch of celebrities got paid off to try to make it seem like it was a huge hey guys, deal. And... Listen, there's something there with the, the, the blockchain technology, right? But, I mean, we're, we're having a laugh here, right? We don't... The what now? Get, we don't, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't get it. We don't care. There are lots of things that have passed us by that like we have it. not made money on. And if this was if this is one, then so be it. But uh, we're 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 not going to have a real serious topic uh, talk about NFTs. It is a funny topic, right? Like the, the people, yeah. the people, the, and the funniest the funniest part of blockchain or NFTs or or Bitcoin are the people that are so into them. Like, hey, maybe they end up turning out right, you know. Um, but like the passion, it. the passion that they support this technology in i mean i've we've seen it in hockey media and the the lengths that people go to to uh describe the potential of this stuff it's just a little weird we know why they're passionate about it because they put lots of money into it and they're like oh my god i hope this pays off well not necessarily i I mean some of them maybe but I, i i think there's i think there's a um you know, there's a community of people that are just passionate about this technology. They're passionate about taking society out of, um, like, the status quo, which is what this texture is saying, and, you know, not having um, governments in, in control of, of, of finance. I mean, I think it's a it's a complete dream. I don't think it's ever going to happen, well, but who knows, right? Started, right? I mean, that was the whole premise of cryptocurrency you know, was taking yeah. it away from the governments. My whole idea, if society ever fails, you know, shotguns and... Canned food, yeah. <laughs> right? No. You know, like Jason and White Rock text, and he's like, "NFT in this particular instance means not funny topic." <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yeah, it's just yeah. like don't take yourself so seriously, man. Like it's the people. Like the thing is, the people that are so passionate about it, you should hope that ninety nine percent of the population is laughing about this. Hope that people are laughing about it because if you turn out to be right. Then you're going to be rich. Mm-hmm. You and your bored ape, or right? Like, don't don't tell everyone. The ape will don't no longer spread the gospel, man. The ape will no longer be bored. If the technology is so good, then you're going to be laughing, and we're going to be poor, and we'll come to you Should for I money. Make... or to- tokens or whatever, whatever we're begging. They for need you greater fools, though. They need more people to start coming in. That's oh, why like, they're no, more but a greater more... fool, a greater fool theory re- requires that the actual investment is bunk. These people who are very uh, convinced of it shouldn't want other people to uh, get on board with it. Should I produce an the NFT technology should of be you so guys? Good. Yeah, I like, want to. Could I make a board ape but of you two? Yeah. and sell it as an NFT. I won't give you any of the money, of course, for me. But could no, I, no, could I, I do it. that? I, d- I want some of the blockchains. May I use your like? <laughs> I don't even know how to use That's, that. I don't, I don't know exactly. That in how, <laughs> I don't know exactly how it works. But I, if you're gonna do that, I want some blockchains, like three of them. <laughs> I like these texts. Guys, this conversation about baseballs has gone sideways. Yeah, it's always the crypto guys that get us off to off topic. Uh, Tables, uh, also everyone else. You know what, though? If you catch that baseball, no one can right-click and save on it. (laughs) That is your baseball. Right-click and rip it out of your hands. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. If you want that baseball, you have to go the old-school way of stealing something, which is beating them up and then taking it from them. Uh, Table Saw James, is blockchain technology actually just Lego? Um, It's similar. Yeah, yeah, it's similar. I'm under the impression yep. this is correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I, if if I, if, you can hey, buy the Toys R Us. If this, if being wrong is this much fun, I don't want to be right because <laughs> I am enjoying myself thoroughly. 
Tiny Tim Texan. And coming up after the break, Stock Talk. What is Tesla doing? Guys, guys, I have a big question for you. Oh, God. How high can interest rates go? Are we I, in a bear market now? I feel. Is there a recession coming? Getting my sport market flashbacks here. <laughs> so the other day I was driving in, and it was one of the days of the week. And you can pick any one where the station wasn't on the air. Our station, mm-hmm. right? It's it, any day that ends in Y could be a day that we're right. not, it, station's not working. The station just be like, I need a day off. Yeah, or someone forgot to flip the switch because they didn't read the post-it note. So I was listening to City News on the way in, and I quickly realized that there was all these things happening that I, in this sports-insulated bubble that I live in, I just, I, I'm not paying enough attention. I'm clearly not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of knew, I mean, I keep an eye on, like, gas prices is a good one because it's, you know, it's red meat for the listeners. Everyone's got their stories. And I know that interest rates are spiking and everyone's having the the sort of tangent conversations of locking your mortgage and all that kind of stuff. Am right? I ruined financially? Et cetera, yeah, et cetera, yeah. Right? But I just, yeah, and then sure. I realized, I'm like, oh, people talk about these things in this, with the same passion and fever that we talk about sports. I'm just so singularly focused, not in a good way, mm-hmm. definitely not in a good way. That I, I actually, I was like, oh, this is refreshing to hear come in in the morning and this, and it, people are doing what we're doing, but in a totally different vein and in a totally different fashion. Yeah. Uh, so I, so I was like, maybe, maybe we should get out of our lane every now and again when things are slow or we've got 10 or 15 minutes and try and talk to the people mm-hmm. about things that are happening today. Then I started talking about NFTs, and I used blockchains in plural. I was like, I feel like I might have extended myself a little too far. I will take three blockchains, please, sir. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's not how you buy them. That I keep is telling you. Sure that's no, how no, you I'll do take it. three. Four. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I got a pretty good understanding of this. I listened to four minutes of uh, news radio the other day. <laughs> Matlock was on the TV. I'm pretty sure I understand how the blockchains. Matlock was on okay? TV. The sound was off, but I got the gist. Yeah, of it. I got the gist. All right, uh, we got a lot more to get to on the program today. So. Uh, as we dive headfirst back into the world of sports, we're an hour and a half, roughly, away from a big, big match for Canada in preparation of the World Cup. They are playing Uruguay today. Uh, it's going to kick off at 9 a.m. Uh, that's going to be on one soccer, and then Fubo also carries one soccer if you want to watch it. Now, uh, Uruguay is the biggest test that this Canadian squad is going to have in a long while, all due respect to Mexico and all due respect to the U.S. and I guess less respect to Qatar, who they beat two nothing on Friday. This is a team that has the likes of Darwin Nunez, who is a high-profile signing for Liverpool in their most recent transfer window. Uh, Luis Suarez, who's one of the most recognizable players on the planet, yeah. even though he's pretty old right now. Federico Valverde, Rodrigo Betancourt, it, it, a lot of guys that have very high price tags are playing for some of the biggest clubs in Europe. And Uruguay lost to Iran in their last friendly. So I feel like they have a little bit to prove in this one as well. Uh, it is a big match for Canada, make no mistake. And they want one, they want to carry over the good vibes from beating Qatar on Friday. Good vibes are important mm-hmm. in any team's makeup going into a big tournament. Also, um, this is an opportunity to really test themselves. Really get a sense of where they're going to be going into the World Cup because... Uruguay plays a very similar system and style to what Croatia plays with a 4-3-3. And talent levels, probably comparable, right? Uh, just in terms of, like, the, the you, amount of... You tell me. The <laughs> amount of talent... Just nod along. This is like, yeah. yes. 4-3-3, three, three, right. Yeah, you got yes, it. Yes, it, it is a non-fungible token. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just like that. This is... That means four defensemen, three centers, and, 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 and three sweepers? Four backs, three midfielders, three strikers. Yeah, I, or three, I, I, three attackers, if you will. Yeah. Um, Bottom line, this is probably 
the this is going to give you a good indication of how Canada will fare mm-hmm. because we're all going in optimistically. I am anyway. Like I know that the chances of getting out of the group are slim. I know that they're going up against maybe two of the best midfielders in the world in De Bruyne and, yeah. and Modric. But I mean, I'm a sports fan. Like I gotta have hope, right? Well, for me, the the, the Belgium game that they start with, it, they're unlikely to win it, but. I think it's important that they have a good showing in it so that they don't lose their confidence because the way it's set out is probably going to lose the first one, might get a result against Croatia, and then they have to beat Morocco. Exactly. Right? So if they go into this World Cup and they have a, they lose, like let's say, 2-0 to Belgium, and you're kind of like, you know what? That's not that bad, mm-hmm. right? Let's and, regroup. And, and, and then just regroup and, and, and try and – trying to do better against Croatia and Morocco. If they go in and they feel totally outclassed by Belgium and the moment is too big for them and they just look bad, then it's probably a little bit concerning. Um, so these warm-up games, especially against a country like Uruguay, will give them an idea of what they're going to be up against. Exactly. So coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, uh, Farhan Devji is going to join us, formerly with the Vancouver Whitecaps in a content role. Now the author of a new book, Alfonso Davies, A New Hope. Uh, we will talk to him about the book, about Alfonso, and the role that Alfonso Davies is going to play. Uh, spoiler, it's a significant one. As Canada inches closer and closer to their first World Cup in 36 years. That's all coming up next. So don't go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 732 on a Tuesday. NFT, no fun Tuesday. Albert Brown supports that 650. I love this music. It's really great. The show is, and in large part because we can't stay on task more than five seconds at a time, it's just wildly unpredictable. Big band music, there's guys barking at me in the in basket about how I don't know anything about crypto and blockchains, plural. This feels like it should be playing like over like one of those happy newsreels. Yeah. And the boys are back from the war and they're going to go dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Vancouver is a city on the grove. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Alfred and Ruff. And now brought to you by Ovaltine. That's right. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about uh, international football, Canadian soccer. Like it's, it's such, such a varied program. At least that's how we're selling it anyway. Uh, you are listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford & Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, we are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Do we have Farhan on the line now? We do. Terrific. Uh, formerly of the Vancouver Whitecaps. I'm wearing their hat today, as a matter of fact. Uh, the author of a book coming out in May 2023, Alfonso Davies, A New Hope. The author joins us now, Farhan Devji, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, good morning, Farhan. How are you? 
Good morning, guys. How are you? Uh, we're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. So the book, May 2023, you can pre-order now, Alfonso Davies, A New Hope. Um, the, the story of Davies is pretty well documented. And here locally, I think we know it probably better than anyone because so much of it happened here in Vancouver. Uh, let the listeners know about the book, where the narrative takes you, and what the story is all about for those that might not know the Alfonso Davies story. Yeah, for sure. So really the, the idea behind it, it stems back, it's been years in the making. So I used to work for the Whitecaps. Um, I was there at the same time that he did. So I really got a firsthand kind of look at, you know, the start of his professional career. And, and like you said, the story has been told before, but really I wanted to go deeper and kind of give people an inside look at how he got to where he, where he is today from obviously the refugee camp in, in Ghana to now uh, a world superstar who's led Canada to the World Cup for the first time in 36 years. So, yeah, I just wanted to give people a, a better understanding of the person and player that is that is Alfonso Davies. Dig deeper and kind of find those untold stories, and, and, and I think I've done that. So you mentioned that you were previously with the Vancouver Whitecaps, and it overlapped with Davies debuting for the Caps. Uh, I was also in the stands when all of this happened. And I remember him making his debut at 16. And then I remember watching him and saying, he is absolutely terrorizing opposing defenders in MLS. Almost like he didn't even really realize how good he was. And I don't think anyone did here either. What was it like being on the scene when he burst onto the scene at 16 and then started doing things against opponents that no one else in the league was doing at such a young age? Yeah, I had never seen any, anything like it. And um, honestly, I'm not sure we ever will again. Like, like, like you said, this was a 15-year-old player who was making like 30-year-old like seasoned veterans look, look silly on, on a nightly basis, right? Like I know the goals and assists like didn't come right away, but you could really see that he had something special. And I think everyone internally knew it before long. Everyone kind of externally knew it. And then it was, it was just a matter of whether that would translate to the next level and and in his second year at Bayern Munich, he was winning the Champions League and things like that. So, yeah, I think we could all see it from an early, from an early age. And then it was just a matter of time before kind of the rest of the world saw what, what he could do. Do Canadians have an appreciation for how famous this guy really is? That's a great question. Like, that's something I've, I actually I get into a bit in the book. Like, um, so earlier, earlier this year, there was a study that came out, TSN kind of commissioned a study looking at the most famous Canadian athletes. And um, Alfonso ranks at the top of the list when it comes to Canadian athletes, but from a global perception, like from global um, people who responded from the survey globally. But when you just consider the Canadian respondents, he was like 15th or something like that. He wasn't even in the top 10. It was mostly hockey players. So that tells you probably not. Um, but I, I, would, I would have to think that the World Cup this winter will probably start changing that. What's something that uh, casual fans in Canada might not know about? Alfonso Davies? Yeah, I mean, to me, like one thing that I kind of found fascinating going through this process of, of writing the book was just these two sides to his personality. Like on the one side, which I think we saw a lot of in Vancouver, is this like kind, quiet, you know, respectful, like kid who just kind of wants to make his parents proud, you know, just wants to live up to the promise he made to them when he left home at, at the age of 14. And, and that's like very authentic to him. And in certain environments and then and then you have this like on the other hand you have this like larger than life like in your face like TikTok sensation who just loves enjoying life no, no matter where it takes him 
And that's very kind of authentic to his personality as well in certain situations. So I just find those, when, when you put those two things together, I, I just thought that it was like a fascinating um, blend of, of his personality. And, and that's something I kind of get into at, at points in the book as well. You know, it's funny, uh, a long time ago, basically in a previous life for me, when I was writing for The Athletic, we did our sports person of the year, and it was Alfonso. Now, this was, I think, 2017. So he had just broken onto the scene, and the premise behind it was the promise that he had just gotten his Canadian citizenship, he had just debuted for the national team, and he had just broken in to the Whitecaps. And then I was talking to, it was Russell Tybert, who was his roommate, at the time and Russell at one stage was considered the bright shining light of Canadian soccer. Like he had won Canadian youth national player of the year a couple times. And everyone thought that he might be a guy that was going to anchor the national team. I remember Tybert saying, he's like, it's not even close. Like we're not comparable. Uh, You know, he's he's on such a different level that I was. And I thought that was interesting because I'm like, well, he's a pretty ballyhooed guy. He's, you know, he's going to be around the national team program for a long time. And then he kind of said, this is a guy that can take a national team program to great heights. And now we're looking at it five years later, and he's done absolutely that. Um, how excited and how much anticipation do you have, having followed this story, to see Alfonso at the World Cup, leading Canada there for the first time in 36 years, and a chance to really make a mark, but this time doing it not for his club team, but for his national team? Yeah, I mean, this is what we've all been waiting for, right? Like, and that's part of the reason why the book is titled A New Hope. Like, um, for the Canadian men's national team, and you touched on it there, like, the, yeah, there have been good players and promising players in the past. But, like, for years, this program was, like, you guys know, like, it was, it was uh, I don't awful, know, like a laughing stock, right? Like, awful. it was, yeah, like, uh, you know, once like, I get into the history a bit in, in the book, and, like, for this previous generation of fans, like, the most memorable game was, like, a, was, was an 8-1 loss, right? Like, so... Yeah, Alfonso really has given the program new hope, and um, it's, it's, it all kind of it all kind of comes to fruition, I guess, at, at the World Cup uh, in Qatar. Um, this is a golden generation of players, and like there there are many different players and coaches who have kind of contributed to the success. But like one thing John Herdman told me, you know, through this process was like, yeah, this is a golden generation, but every generation needs a, a generational leader. And that's what Alfonso is to this team. And, yeah, it's extremely exciting to see what he'll be able to do on, on the world stage uh, in a couple months. How has Alfonso's or how did Alfonso's childhood shape the person he is today? Yeah, it, it really did in, in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, I'm sure your listeners know the story, like born on a refugee camp, um, really came from, from nothing. Like his parents had to sacrifice a lot uh, to move to Canada and, you know, start started living there and, I think it's just given him an appreciation um, for for every day. Like, you know, I I talked a bit about his personality there and like, he just, he just wants to enjoy life. He just wants to make his parents proud. And like, you know, one thing he said when when I interviewed him a number of years ago was like, you know, everything he does is for his parents. Like they're his drive, they're his inspiration. And um, yeah, so I think in a lot of ways it, it has shaped him both as a person and a player. We are speaking to Farhan Devji here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Farhan is the author of the book Alfonso Davies, A New Hope, which will be released in May of 2023. Farhan, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about Alfonso, but the national team that he will be representing and playing for in Qatar is in action today. 
uh, right after this show was done, 9 a.m. against Uruguay in a very important friendly. Uh, that might sound like an oxymoron, but it's not. This is a very important friendly match for Canada because this is going to be one of the stiffest tests they will get leading into the World Cup. Uh, let's go back a step, though. Friday's match against Qatar, I know I was scrolling through your timeline. You obviously uh, digested all of the 90 minutes quite thoroughly. What did you think of Canada's performance against Qatar on Friday in that 2-0 victory? Yeah, I thought they were they were quite comfortable. It probably could have been 3 or 4 nothing to be honest with you. I know they kind of wasted a few chances at the end there. But, yeah, you got to give credit to Canada for taking care of business. Like, they had over 60% of possession. And, and yeah, Qatar didn't pr- provide the greatest kind of test, but they are still like a World Cup team, right? So, uh, Canada was quite good. I probably should have had a few more goals. Like, for me, one of the biggest positives was the fact that uh, Jonathan David and Kyle Lahren both, both scored because um, – when I think about the World Cup and you think about the opponents, Belgium, Croatia, and whatnot, like Canada is not going to have a, a ton of chances. So they really need those guys to be clinical when, when they get those chances. So I thought that was uh, a, a good sign. I thought it was interesting that Alfonso played kind of as an attacking midfielder in like a free role. We haven't yeah. seen a lot of him, him in that role with Canada. So I'll be curious to see um, whether that continues or not. But yeah, I, I thought Canada looked very comfortable, but uh, yeah, like you guys were saying, today's going to be uh, going to be a massive test. Like it's their, their second to last tune-up game before the World Cup, and um, I was looking at it yesterday. Like they haven't played a, a South American opponent in over eight years, mm-hmm. uh, and that was Colombia, and they lost one nothing. So it's a massive test, and I think this is the game that the Canadian players and fans have really been waiting for as kind of that a real tune-up game for for the World Cup. Well, I think another thing that's going to shine through today, hopefully in a good way for Canada, is that um, that back line is going to be heavily reliant on full-fledged MLS products in Alistair Johnson and Kamal Diller, both of who play for Montreal, who have had a terrific season for those that haven't been paying attention. But the I think the knock on a lot of the teams that have MLS base players is that they play at a certain level, and when they go and take on the higher caliber guys that are starring for some of these big, high-profile European clubs, there's going to be a gulf. Today is a great, you know, litmus test for that because you've got the likes of, like, Darwin Nunez, and I know Luis Suarez is no longer playing in Europe, but that's the kind of attacking prowess that Uruguay has. I'll be very curious to see how the likes of Johnston and Miller and maybe some of the other local MLS guys do against the top-level attackers in the world. Yeah, that's a great point. They they haven't had a test like this today, right? So... I mean, a lot of people think that Alistair Johnson probably could be playing in, in Europe, and, and maybe this is a platform for him to, to get there next year. Like, I've been extremely impressed with him, both with the national team and, uh, and with Montreal, like you said. Like, he can play as a right wing back. He can play as a right back. He can play as a center back. Like, he's such a versatile player. But you're right. He hasn't had a test like this going up against the guys like Suarez and Nunez. And um, I've been really impressed with you know, Valverde as, as well, um, the Real Madrid kind of budding star. So that's what this game is all about. It's going to be a massive test for, for the Canadian defenders, but also for their attackers. Because like, I was looking at Uruguay's stats. Like, they don't concede a lot of goals at, at all. Like, they're very disciplined, very good defensively. So, yeah, all, all over the field, field, really, it's going to be a, a big test for Canada. You might have already answered this, but if, if you're looking at the, the Canadian team and then you're looking at a team like – Belgium or, or Croatia, or you're just looking at the best teams in the world, what part of Canada's roster might fall short? Like, what part of it might be like, oh, this, you know, they've got some good players in this position, but not so much here? 
Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Probably, you know, going off our last question, you, you would probably think it is the back line still, like, um, like they have done well in CONCACAF, sorry, in CONCACAF and uh, really stepped up tons of clean sheets through, through qualifying. But um, yeah, if you do look at, at the roster, like those are mostly, um, well, I guess, yeah, a couple MLS-based players there and they haven't uh, had that test in Europe. So yeah, I would probably have to say that the back line would be the one that they could, that could maybe hurt them in, in a way. Um, the midfield's interesting too right now because Atiba Hutchinson's injured. Uh, so Stefan Sacchio is obviously a stalwart in, in the middle and you know, a great player in, in Europe. But in terms of who starts next to him, like that's, that's kind of up for grabs too, like whether that's Samuel Piet or I know Jonathan Osorio's injured right now. Um, you know, Mark Anthony K is an option there too. So yeah, I would probably say like the kind of the back line and or the midfield are, are question marks right now heading into Qatar. But um, yeah, I guess we'll have to see how that transpires. Uh, before we let you go, Farhan, tell people about how and where they can pre-order the book. Yeah, you can pre-order it. It's on Amazon and kind of most retailers. You can pre-order it on your independent um, uh, bookstores. And yeah, all the information's on Twitter. I saw you guys share, shared the link so you can find it on your Twitter as well. And uh, and one thing I did want to mention, too, is that a portion of each sale will be donated to the U.N. Refugee Agency. Um, and that's kind of the same organization that helped Alfonso as a young refugee in, in, in Ghana. So, yeah, I'm glad we were able to, to do that. Awesome stuff, Farhan. Hey, thanks for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game today, okay? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. That's Farhan Devji, author of Alfonso Davies, A New Hope. Uh, May 2023 is the release date. Uh, we do. If you go to at Sportsnet 650, Check it out. You can see all the information if you want to pre-order the book. Jason. I've got some news that Laddie will be excited about. It's oh. it's, it's goalie news, Laddie. I'm sure you've already seen this. I'm sure La- you've already seen this. That was I'm the sure most you're... energy Laddie's ever responded to anything with. His Laddie, eyes, Laddie, Laddie just passed you out. Just, yeah. You just you just like, like ran over to the microphone. You... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the Florida Panthers have signed uh, Spencer Knight to a three-year contract extension. Now, it does not kick in this season but it does next season Spencer Knight's new uh cap hit is four and a half million dollars and don't forget they already got Sergey Bobrovsky there Bobrovsky there easy for me to say for a 10 million dollar cap hit so do the math there I was told there would be no math that's how much in goalies 88 million dollars no it's not 14 and a half 10 plus four and a half I thought you said it was 10 and a half no, ten no. million plus four and a half is plus four and a half is like sixteen or something. So signing Bobrovsky to <laughs> that many, deal. How many blog streams is that? <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> signing Bobrovsky to that deal a week after drafting Knight thirteenth overall, not the best idea. You guys think? Looking at hindsight, now? I don't know. You know, Bob well, could really turn it around. Well, Bob did turn it around last year, didn't he? Have a pretty good season last year. And Spencer gonna... Knight, Spencer is is Spencer Knight a guarantee? Is anything a guarantee in the world of goalies, Greg? I wouldn't say. Well, I I, I consider him a guarantee. He yeah. he has been below average up to this point mm-hmm. in his career. But he's only twenty one. Yeah, he's gonna have a great long career. But what an interesting uh, situation for the Panthers because you know you just don't want that much cap space tied up in in, in goaltending, and the Panthers have guys like Sam Reinhardt who's going to need a new deal soon. Um, he's still a pretty young guy, so I'm sure they'll want to sign him to extension, all depending on, I suppose, how things go over the next couple of years. Um, the Panthers are just going to be – I know they're the Panthers, but uh, they're going to be an interesting team to watch just because they made some big changes. A lot is going to be expected of Matthew Kachuk, 
Um, a lot of it is going to be expected just of this team in general. And it's in that division that I think we're all curious about. Every team that made the playoffs last year, and you're talking about Florida and Tampa Bay and Toronto and Boston, I honestly think you can make an argument that each of those teams got worse over the offseason. Now, long-term, I don't know about the Panthers. Like trading uh, a guy in Huberto who's, who's getting on for a younger guy, Matthew Kachuk, long-term, that might, be, that might be a good deal for them. But they also lost Mackenzie Wegar, who struggled in the playoffs for sure, mm-hmm. but is a legit top-four defenseman on the right side. Uh, I, I just think, you know, when, it, when, when teams have a bunch of investment in the goaltenders, it's always an interesting story because you've got a guy that's getting paid a lot in Bobrovsky, but you've also got the clear goalie of the future. It is not unlike a situation that we saw in Vancouver with Lowongo and Schneider. In fact, it's kind of identical. Well, you know, there are not many teams that win the president's trophy for being the best team in the regular season and then win a playoff round and then go into the next season with a new head coach and their leading scorer gone. Not many teams do it. I mean, that's fair to say. Teams that usually go and have those fundamental changes, getting rid of a head coach and trading your top scorer, they're usually teams that are in a state of flux or are rebuilding. But that is not Florida in any way, shape, or form. They're going to be a really interesting case study moving forward. People texting in, uh, unsigned text here. They lost Marchman, too, who's yeah, amazing for them. Marchman. And I, I I think Anthony Duclair, who scored a bunch of goals for them, is going to miss at least the first half of the season. Yeah, most teams that have that level of success go into the next season kind of unchanged because they're like, we, we got a pretty good thing here. Yeah. We won, what did they win, 55, maybe even 60 games last year? They had, they had I want to say top three point totals for teams in the salary cap era. Yeah, they, they, their regular season last year was, was crazy good. Dominant, dominant. Yeah. And, and yet the whole time you watch them, you're like, nah, I wonder how they'll do in the playoffs. They don't defend all that well. Yeah, they won a lot of regular season games. They'd spot the other team two or three goal leads, and they'd be like, okay, we got the offensive firepower yeah. to come back. That's great. But as we've seen, it doesn't necessarily work in the playoffs. They won around though. I know that was short of what they wanted to do, but I almost felt like they were in the beggars can't be choosers category. Like, all due respect to the aspirations you had, the lofty aspirations, this is a franchise that hasn't gotten out of the first round in almost two decades. The fact you did that maybe should be celebrated a bit more, but I feel like Andrew Burnett kind of lost his job in that second round with just the litany of... Lack of experience, really. And they made the trade. The trade was the big one for me because you could say the Burnett thing was understandable because, one, Maurice was available, and two... The warts kind of were shown in the second round. Mm-hmm. The trade was a more open acknowledgement that the way they were constructed wasn't going to work and management didn't believe it. Was it or was it an acknowledgement that they didn't really want to commit long-term to Jonathan Huberto just because he was getting a little bit older? It could have been a bit of both. Um, I think that they felt that they needed a different identity and that Matt, when Matthew Kachuk came available, yeah. that they were going to get one one crack at it to yeah, make may, themselves maybe, a different-looking team. Maybe it was none of that that we discussed, and it was, hey, Kachuk is available. This is the kind of guy that, A, has some swagger, mm-hmm. 
and we need that. Although Matthew Kachuk still has a lot to prove. He wasn't very good in the playoffs, as we mentioned a few times. And Daryl Sutter uh, mentioned it too. But also that Matthew Kachuk maybe has that ability to sell some tickets there. It has to be part of the equation there. Yeah, and I'm going to be really fascinated to see how he plays in that market. For a guy that seems to really thrive on the attention, in, attention, yeah. intensity, passion. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the fact he didn't want to be there, which is a big part of the equation, Calgary was a great fit. Yeah. They loved him in Calgary. Mm-hmm. He fit a lot of the things they wanted to do. Sometimes I felt like he leaned too much on being a rat and an instigator and not enough on, be, like, you got to stand up for yourself. Yeah. Right? But he also had such a unique game. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no the only other Matthew Kachuk is maybe Brady. <laughs> That's it. They don't they kind of broke the mold there. There's not a lot of guys like that because his offensive abilities are so high. He's got a really big personality and he's got a lot of talent. Uh, I'll be curious to see how he does in that non-intense Canadian hockey market. I mean, a lot of guys have gone down to markets like that and they've kind of just been like I'm having trouble getting the passion up, yeah, right? I'm, I'm going to go. Makes sense. I'm going to go to the beach before practice and then after practice. Well, after I'm, practice, I'm going to the driving range and then I'm going to play 18. Yeah, like you can do all these things, and it's, it's actually you know what? I can't make practice. I I, I don't want to go. <laughs> what are they going to write about in the newspaper? It's Who true. cares? It's true. Okay, uh, we're going to not necessarily shift gears entirely. We will stay on the subject of the National Hockey League, but we will talk about your Vancouver Canucks coming up next with Thomas Drantz from the Athletic Vancouver. He joins us next. Final hour, Drantz, then what we learns. Get your what we learns in. Hashtag them WWL text to 650-650. It is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, Let us know what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. We'll read them at 830. Another one of the things that we discussed at breakfast yesterday, we're going to make a more concerted effort to give that entire final half hour of the program solely to you, the listeners. So that is our promise. We will try and deliver starting today. So again, get your What We Learns in. Hashtag them WWL. Your chance to be on the radio. That's coming up at 830. It's all right here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.